do y'all ever have weird dreams? Anybody? Some raise a hand of like, yes, I have some weird dreams, okay? You, I have a twin brother, and my twin brother legitimately says he's never remembered a dream that he's had. I think that's the weirdest thing ever. But I don't know about y'all, but I was having a dream one night, and uh, you might be able to relate to this. The dream that I was having was that uh, I had registered for my classes at Missouri State University, okay? Come on, any bears in the room tonight? Let's go. I love that they just stick you in sore when you're a freshman, and they're like, hey, you're 18. You don't know what you're doing. Register for all your classes. And, I, and you're like, man, I'm, I'm trying not to get in this 500-level course as a freshman. I'm just nerd, But I, I'm having this dream that I'm doing this, right? I am registering for my classes. And what happens in this dream is that the semester continues on. And what I realize is like three or four weeks into the semester, I have a class that I've never even been to. And I get this like sinking feeling in my Anyone had a dream like that before? Okay, I'm the only one a little stressful. Uh, I'm three or four weeks into the semester. I've got a class I've never been to. Uh, and so I'm starting to panic and uh, it gets worse because then I'm trying to look up my schedule online and I just can't find like any of my class schedules. I can't find where the building that I'm meeting is, etc. So I'm panicking. I wake up and I'm stressed, all right? And then I realized that I graduated college five years ago, okay? This was a legitimate dream I had just a couple of years ago. And I realized I've been done with school for five years now. And so as I realized that at two in the morning as I'm laying in bed, ah, this peace just came over me because I'm like, I don't have to do homework. I ain't got to register for no class. I'm done with that, okay? I said bear up and I went back to bed right after that. So um, I felt good about it. And that peace is something that, like, man, it, it feels good when we are at peace. Like, when our soul is at rest and we are feeling peaceful, that is an awesome thing. And the question that I have for you tonight is, are you at peace? I think that's one of the most important questions we could ask is, are you at peace? Is your soul at peace? Is your soul at rest, like when, when maybe you just had the best weekend of your life, 4th of July, you shot off all the fireworks, you did all the things, you went to the lake, hung out with every friend that you have, or maybe it was one of the worst weekends of your life, I don't know, but is your soul at rest right now? Will your soul be at rest at 10 o'clock tonight, 11 o'clock tonight when you lay down to go to sleep? Will you be at rest tomorrow morning? Is your soul at rest? Do you have peace in your heart? Would you, when you look at your life, would you say, I just have this sense in the good and the bad that I have peace in my life. And as we've been trekking through Romans, Paul's been talking about a lot of different things. And what he starts to transition to here in Romans chapter 8 is really a key to how you can have peace in your life. It's how you can have peace in your life. So we've covered some big theological terms this summer and that are important. And the first one that we've talked about is justification. So when we talk about justification, it's the recognition that we have a sin debt that needs to be paid for. And basically what I'm saying there is like if we look at ourselves and take an honest evaluation of ourselves, we all have sin in our lives. And we would say, I've made mistakes. I don't think like there's any of us who would say like, no, nah, I'm perfect. I'm good. Most of us would realize like, hey, we have made mistakes in our life. And therefore, because God is holy He's perfect and he's good. He cannot be associated with us in our sin. He cannot be associated with us in our sin. We have this sin debt that needs to be paid for. 
But you know, God is good, and he created us on purpose for a purpose, that he wants a relationship with us. So what he did to restore that, to bridge the gap, to build a relationship, was he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live on this earth. He lived a perfect and blameless life, but even though he was perfect and blameless, he was crucified on a cross as a payment for your sins and my sins. And because of that, because of what he did, we can be justified. We can be just as we were before we had sin in our lives. We can be justified. We can be made right with God because of what Jesus has done on the cross. Now, what scripture promises us, what Jesus himself promised us as he was leaving earth, he promised to the disciples, he promised to his followers is that he would send a helper and a counselor and a guide to his people. And he called, he said, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you the Spirit, this teacher, this helper, this counselor. And in our Western world, I think sometimes when we hear Holy Spirit, it's a little bit like takes us back for a second. But the Holy Spirit is a beautiful thing that God gives to us when we enter into a relationship with him. That we don't have to go through life wondering what, like, what do we do? Where do we go? How do we, you know, we have this this guidance from the Holy Spirit. So when we are justified, we receive the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about some of the fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about some of what the Spirit does tonight. It's the Spirit that then sanctifies us. Sanctification is a fancy word for saying uh, being made more like Christ, that as you follow Christ, you're going to become more Christ-like because of the work of the Spirit in your lives. So we have justification right, that makes us righteous in the sight of God. We receive the Holy Spirit when we enter into a relationship with Jesus, and then we are made more like Christ because of the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So that's what we've been talking about this summer. And in Romans chapter 7, Trevor talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Paul is kind of in this argument. He's like, man, I know what I want to do. It's kind of almost this self-argument that I think many of us could relate to. At least I find it very relatable. He's like, I know what I want to do, but yet I don't always do it. Like, I know my heart's desire is to honor God, and, 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 but I don't always do it, and he's frustrated with himself. And honestly, uh, it doesn't necessarily get fully resolved in seven where you feel like, man, I feel like I have the answer there. I feel like this is hopeful. But in chapter eight, Paul gets to some of the greatest words of hope for us as believers in the entire Bible. He starts in Romans chapter eight, verses one and two. And he says, there is, that, th- there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. There's therefore no condemnation, right? That the spirit has set us free from this law of sin and death. That our, you know, what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that is any, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So literally, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you're made new. Spiritually, you are reborn, regenerated, renewed. You're a new person in Christ. And because of that, we then get to live by the Spirit, and it is the Spirit that sets us free. 
that as we go through our lives, we don't have to go through life condemned, overwhelmed, ashamed, but we have the Holy Spirit guiding us and directing us in our lives. We cover that quick, but we're going to go to Romans 8, 5, and 6, and this is where we're going to sit for a little bit tonight. Paul continues on and he says this, he's giving this comparison and contrasting of what it looks like to live by the spirit and what it looks like to live by the flesh. The flesh being our own selfish, sinful desires. The flesh being who we are naturally. The flesh being who we are without Christ in our lives. He says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, set their mind on things of the spirit. For to, in verse 6 it says, for to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is what is life and peace. So there's this comparison and contrasting here that when you live by the flesh, it leads to death. If we just are left to our own intentions, our own actions, our own self, our own strength, we are going, like our own flesh, it leads to spiritual death. But when we live by the Spirit and then our minds are set on the things of the Spirit, it actually leads to life. So I think we have to understand, like, what does it look like when our thoughts are set on the things of the flesh or the things of the spirit? What does that really mean? Like, how do we practically see that in our lives? So one of the biggest ways I think for me personally that I see is when I'm, like, living by my own fleshly desires, right? The part of me that's not, whenever I'm not relying on the spirit of God to lead me in my life, one of the biggest things I see, and I think in the Western world, in our culture, what we see is this like self-absorbed attitude. It's this self-absorbed attitude. Because if I'm always thinking about me and I'm left to my own flesh, I'm not thinking about God. And if I'm not thinking about God, often I'm not thinking about other people. See, I'm looking internally at myself. But what happens when we look at God is that as we look to God, it should then reflect us outward, right, horizontally, to see people the way God sees people. But when I'm in my flesh, I'm just worried about myself. And it's, I mean, I think about it in our culture. It's like so much has to do with our own self. How many likes do I get? How many falls do I get? What are my influences? How much money am I going to make? What does my career look like? We're so concerned with ourselves. Jared talked about it in his message on Sunday. Most of us don't wake up in the morning and we're thinking about other people. We're usually thinking about what we want for breakfast, what our day looks like, etc. And the more focused we are on ourselves and everything is about us and we turn inward, that's a sign that we're living by the flesh. What else? I think that then turns into pride. It turns into pride. It turns into um, anxiety. It turns into immorality, whether it be sexual immorality or immorality in any other capacity. When it's all about us, we have this overwhelming sense of pride and just an anxiousness about what's happening because we're the sinner of our own universe. When we're living by the flesh, these are the things that happen. And maybe you're in here and you're like, okay, I don't know that I agree with you that people are that bad. Well, what scripture tells us, we are not innately good. And if you like get on the news when you get home, all right, and if you just read through what's going on in our world, every day you see stories of war, of violence, of murder, of hate, 
You know, we see these things. We see human trafficking and sex trafficking. We see children who, uh, you know, are abused and taken advantage of in inappropriate ways. Like, this is the world that we live in. It's the world that we live in. There's no denying that there is evil in our world. And left up to our own human desires, our own sinful flesh, this is what we reap. But there is a better way. And that's the way of the Spirit. There's a way that provides hope, not only for your personal life, but also for others around you. And that is the way of the Spirit. And so when uh, you think of the Holy Spirit, like, I, I love studying about, like, what the Holy Spirit does for us. You know, because the fruit of the Spirit, this is something I learned as I was younger. It's something that uh, I have a three-year-old, almost four-year-old daughter named Nova, and we teach her. This is the fruit of the Spirit. It's love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And it's like, I would love those things. Like, everyone is like, yes, I want that. Those are the characteristics of us as we walk by the Spirit. Those, those are like, exam- when you have those things, right, especially all at the same time, we know we're walking by the Spirit. But the Holy Spirit, even, even more than that, when we're, the things of the Spirit, like, the Holy Spirit is what renews and regenerates our heart. When we enter into a relationship with Christ, it's the Holy Spirit that renews us. It regenerates our heart. The Holy Spirit is what convicts us of our sin. Have you ever been doing something? I mean, I just had a moment today, literally today, as I was in the office, like at 4 p.m., that I said something, and immediately I felt this sense of conviction. And as I went home, I, I had this conviction still, and I needed to pray through that and process through what I said and take that to God because the Holy Spirit was convicting me. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin, but it also is the destroyer of our sin. It's what kills the sin that is in our hearts because God's word does not return void, right? He has promises that as we lean into him, he will grow us, he will change us, he will do a work in us. It's the Holy Spirit that does that work within our hearts. It has the ability to kill our sin. It convicts us of it, but it also kills, us, it kills that sin in our lives. And as that happens, we begin to imitate Christ in our lives. I don't know about you, but like, as I look at my neighbors, as I look at my, uh, my friends and my family, my wife, it's like, I would hope that I continue to imitate Christ more and more to them. I would hope I would demonstrate more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life and towards the people that are around me. That's something that I long for. Like, that's something that I never want to stop growing in. And I think about it every time I've preached this summer. I think I, I've said, like, I want the best version of me to be the person that they put in the grave, right? Like, I want to be my best at the end of my life because I want God to continue growing in me. And it's the Holy Spirit that makes us more like Christ. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us hope. You know, some of you, I wonder if like you've been gritting your teeth, you've been fighting against this sin in your life, whatever it may be, and you feel just beaten down by it. I've been there when it's like victory feels so impossible, unachievable, impractical. And you might be thinking like, this is who I am. Like this is gonna be my struggle my entire life. It doesn't have to be that way. The Holy Spirit has the ability to win over this sin in our lives. More than that, it aids us in our Christian service. Like how awesome is it that like God didn't just come to save us and then, hey, we're done. Congratulations, you're, you're good to go now. But what does God do? Like why do we have 
internships here? And why do we have things that we do in this church? And why are so many of you laboring in your workplace and sharing the gospel and you seek to make disciples and to share the hope of Jesus? Because God puts us on mission. And it's the Holy Spirit working in our lives that helps us to achieve that purity that we're seeking after. And I'm not just talking about sexual purity. I'm talking about purity and becoming holy, right? That our purity is preparation for our purpose. Our purity, as we become more like Christ, our holiness is preparation for the purpose that God has for us. I mean, how awesome is it that he puts us on mission? And let me tell you, as you're a young adult, Okay? As you're a young adult, you still have so much ahead of you to accomplish for the kingdom of God. And as you're committed to growing in your relationship with Christ, you're going to be more effective and more effective and more effective. Because the more we are like Christ, the more effective we will be in our lives. That purity is what prepares us for our purpose. Those are the, those are the things of the Spirit. And as you see that comparison and contrast right there... That's, that's like what our world's hurting for, you know? I think like so many people would say, yes, I'm for that. And maybe they don't even know, they don't know about Jesus. Or maybe they're out on religion. Maybe they're out on Christianity. But if you polled people, and if you practically went around, that's something that people are longing for is purpose, but also victory over the pain and sin in their lives. Let's get practical for a second. You know, how do we know, right? How do we really know that the Holy Spirit and walking by the Spirit brings us peace? Well, when you've been at your worst moments, right? When you haven't been pursuing God, would you say your life has been characterized by anything but death, right? Has it been characterized by anything but struggle and pain and hurt for you and the people around you? I don't know what it is for you. I, I've had a long battle in my life, like, and I've gotten weary as I've fought to not be angry, right? I, I've, this has been like the area of struggle for me has been anger. That when, especially when I was like 18, 19, man, I could go from, I, at the drop of a hat, I would just get so upset. And as I carried some of those things into marriage and into my parenting, I've seen so much growth. But I remember a time. And it was when my wife was pregnant we, uh, with our daughter, and I wasn't even a dad yet, right? Uh, I mean, my, my daughter wasn't here yet. I was a father, but my daughter wasn't here yet. And I remember one time just losing it and absolutely screaming at my wife as she was pregnant. And I just remember thinking, like, and just getting down in my knees. And I remember, like, being upset to the point where I have tears in my eyes and I'm crying because I'm so ashamed of who I was in that moment, and I felt like, man, if this is how I'm going to be, this brings death not only to my own soul, but then I started to realize how much more that impacted my wife, and then as I thought of that little girl in my wife's stomach, I'm like, man, this, this leaks out over to her as well, and I, what's been so cool in that is as much as I've seen that, and in those worst moments I've seen that, how much pain it brings. What's been awesome is to see that over the last decade, what God has done in my heart to put me, to make me more of a gentle person, to put me at peace. Sometimes like, I, I, I don't say that to brag on myself in the slightest, but to brag on God because I have no ability to do that on my own. 
But as I see in consistency and leaning into God, there's been seasons where I've gone tremendously just like that, overnight. Like I've had victory in things, and especially in the area of anger. But then there's also been days where it's felt long, seasons where it's felt long, seasons where I didn't feel like I was growing. But I'm telling you right now, as if you'll be consistent and leaning into God, he will grow you. It's not, it's not like a, an empty promise. That is the truth of God's word is that you will grow. And so my encouragement to you is that, man, do what Paul's saying here. Like if you are living by the Spirit and setting your mind on the Spirit, the things of the Spirit, it will bring life and peace. And I think we know that the other way, it brings us death, it brings us pain, it brings us hurting, heartache and sorrow. One of the verses... I've loved lately is Luke uh, chapter 11, verses, verse 13. And this is Jesus talking. And he says this. He says, if, the, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I mean, why would Jesus say that? Like, he's telling us, if you know how to give a good gift, if any of you in here have ever given a good gift and you've had that goodness towards somebody else, how much more will the Father in heaven, your heavenly Father, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? That's a promise that you need to lean on. Right there. I love what he says at Romans uh, 8, 11, as he kind of closes, kind of this, uh, Paul says this here. It's kind of a continuation of that thought of Jesus. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you have a relationship with Jesus... The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, the only person in history to overcome death in the grave, that same spirit dwells in you. And when you start to have that as your mindset and you're battling from a place of understanding the truth of God's word, your sin, right, it doesn't seem to stand a chance when you think about that. That it's the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you, that same power that raised Christ from the dead. Jesus already said, hey, you ask for it, God's going to give it to you. And then Paul reminds us, this spirit dwelling inside of you, this spirit dwelling inside of you, it's the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And I think that mindset shift, if you can start to have that now, what's your life going to look like in a decade? What's your life going to look like when you're 40, 50, 60, 70? How much better of a friend will you be? How much better of a coworker will you be? Maybe how much better of a husband or a wife will you be, a father? Whatever it is, like, man, what would your life be like if we lean into that mindset and stop being in a place of defeat but in a place of victory? And I believe that's what Jesus wants for us in our lives. You know, the, the thing about the Holy Jared, Jared kind of mentioned it. Uh, at the beginning, we, we brought this uh, baptismal in here. Uh, it's just a pool of water, okay? I don't know if you guys know that, but we brought it in here, okay? Uh, and why did we do that, you know? Because here's the deal. Uh, when you enter into a relationship with Christ, the, the thing that the Holy Spirit prompts you to do is to be obedient to the truth. And the truth is God's word. So it compels us to be obedient to the truth of God's word. And one of the steps of obedience that we can take is going through the act of baptism. Baptism is not what saves you. That comes only from faith in Christ. That's what saves you. Baptism does not save you. All baptism is is an outward demonstration 
of the inward transformation that's happened in your life. That's what baptism is. It's a step of obedience. Why would we even think about getting baptized? Well, Jesus himself was baptized. It was Jesus then who commanded his disciples to to go and make more disciples and to baptize them in his name. You know, so he's himself was baptized, but he's also commanded it. But what this is, is baptism is not about you. It's about what God has done for you. It's about what God has done in your life. This is an outward demonstration of the inward transformation that's happened. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. And what's so amazing about baptism is it's this public demonstration of what Christ did on the cross, right? That, uh, and, and what Christ did in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And so baptism is an act as you are uh, immersed underwater, right? You are going, you're sharing with, Romans chapter 6 talks about it. We don't have time to get into all of it right now. But if, you're, if you want to read about baptism, go to Romans 6. And Paul paints this picture how with baptism, you are sharing in the, the burial and the resurrection of Christ. That's what baptism is. It's a picture of that. And we talk about that here. The reason why we've been praying for people to do that this summer is because that is a place of growth in your life. Because it's an act of obedience. So I don't know if you came in here tonight and you're like, I don't have a relationship with Jesus at all. But I want that. If you do that and you say, hey, I want to put my faith in Christ. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus and I confess him as Lord of my life. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus and I want to confess him as Lord of my life. I want to follow after him. Do you know what the next step is? Is to get baptized and to demonstrate that publicly that that's what's going on in your life. See, because the Holy Spirit is always going to lead us to the truth of God's word. And it's always going to prompt us to obedience. And if you want peace in your life, you be obedient to God's word. You be obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit. And that's why tonight we have this over here, like 10 minutes after the service, after the discussion wraps up, we're gonna just have an opportunity. If you wanna get baptized tonight and you've never done that, and you're like, hey, I want to enter, I want to like enter in this step of obedience, we'll do it for you tonight. Right now, you can publicly declare what Christ has done in your life. And so my prayer is that you would pray about thinking about that if you're here and that you would consider it. And I want to pray for us before we we hop into our table discussion and someone will be ready to leave. But I want to pray for us specifically that we would be committed to living by the Spirit, right, and setting our mind on things of the Spirit. Let's pray. God, I pray for every person who's in the room. There's no one here by accident. God, on a Tuesday night in July when it's hotter than Guam outside, we can come here and we can set our mind on you. And we can discuss things that matter, things of eternal worth and things of eternal value, God. And so I pray that as we discuss, Lord, that uh, you would just help us and guide us to see you more clearly. It's in your name we pray. Amen.